Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Hey there, Why Though listeners. We are in the last week of Black History Month, and we thought it would be a fitting time to share one of our throwback uh, inspo episodes, Black History is American History. And so we've grown, we've grown in our knowledge and understanding and even just proximity to more stories than we had before when we first aired that a year or two years ago. So we thought we would revisit that and talk about Black history is American history. And of course, we were putting though on the end of every episode and we got we got plum tired of doing that. So just black history is American history. <laughs> and we're excited to explore um, some of the heroes in our lives uh, and what we've learned and how far we've come and maybe even work that still needs to be done. So uh, would you kick us off, Miss Thang? Who are some inspiring people that have really helped open your eyes to the role of the black story in American history. Yeah, I love this title so much that black history is American history, because I think that especially in the day that we're living in, you know, where people are arguing about what CRT is and what's going to be taught in schools and there's book bannings happening all across America, which is no new thing. But I think our exposure to media and different things like that, it's important to recognize that this is a telling of our history that matters to us because it is true. And yeah. without that full history, without that full experience, without our our rich you know, um, contribution from the black community to our personal stories and to the history of our country. I don't think we can fully understand how rich in love we are, how rich in joy we are, how rich in connection and embodiment. And how I personally, from the black community, one of the biggest things that I've learned from my dear friends and from the people in my lives is how to go through struggle with joy Mm -hmm. and how to love others and how to be connected in community. And I think first about one of my best friends, Latrell, and she means so much to me. She is an educator. She travels across the country and teaches about social emotional learning. And, you know, she's been a guidance counselor. She has two daughters. She is a beautiful soul. And our friendship began in the fifth grade. <laughs> and we've been close ever since. And her mom was like a second mom to me. And mm. I think that experiencing life with her and being deeply connected to her, and, you know, she's just one of a few of my close friends. But that relationship really taught me how deeply connected we can be as humans. And, you know, I don't want to get too much into like so race being a social construct. I mean, we've done episodes on this. Maybe we mm-hmm. can link them in the show notes if I can remember. But understanding the rich humanity that's present in us when we don't focus on the reasons that we're divided. And I'm not talking about being colorblind and not paying attention to difference and not paying attention to color. All of these things are so appropriate. Mm -hmm. But Latrell and her mother and her faith community really taught me how to go through struggle and how to be honest about the ways that I suffer. And at the same time, to trust God and to love each other and to be in community together and walk together through difficult times. And I'm so grateful for that. I feel like that's been true 
true of every experience I've had with my black friends. Mm. It just teaches me so much about love and it teaches me so much about connectedness in community specifically. And I've desperately needed that in my life. I needed to see that even when we go through difficult things and even when we go through pain, we have each other and that matters. Mm. Well, I had the same, uh, same same thoughts and stemming from just the history of the black church in America and resilience is the word that just keeps flashing in my mind. When you think of the resilience of the black community and our brothers and sisters who've overcome so much. And I love that you brought it down to the microcosm, like one-on-one relationship. You witnessed Mm -hmm. that beauty and that tenacity and that order of how you can live your life in a way that's connected. Um, I think of, I think it was PBS who did a documentary on, on the black church in America and it was so moving. I highly recommend it. But when, when you think of these stories of those who've overcome and seen themselves as not waiting for others to bring way for connection or justice or wholeness or equality, but demanding and marching toward it themselves. I think they've modeled such beauty and such a roadmap uh, to what wholeness can look like. Mm-hmm. And I think especially in the last couple of years, you know, I think of the 1619 Project, which I, I yeah. listened to that um, yep. um, on audio, which was a really big blessing because it's just beautiful storytelling. Yep. How the Word is Passed by Clint Smith is another great one. There's so many stories and just the, again, Reading While Black echo. is another oh, good yes. one. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. man. One of my favorites. Um, Yes, I I listened to that one as well. I tried reading that one and I thought to myself, I I think I need to listen to this. It's a really good this. listen. Yes. Oh mm-hmm. man. And just seeing how you know, from the dominant culture, it's easy to look at this uh story, the history of the black community as one of like, oh, they've just had so much to overcome versus when you see it and hearing from black authors and researchers and historians and theologians and Bible scholars of like, oh, no, we've always been here. We've always been here doing our thing. Yes. And you can yep. sit and listen and learn. And I've just loved not only are they resilient, but there's so much. And just like you said, actually, there's just so much to learn. One of the greatest things I learned reading, excuse me, listening to the 1619 Project, which I think is like a 27-hour listen, y'all, so just strap in, but it is, oh, it's so good, was just thinking of the greatest gains um, since America's founding have been by the black community. It They have done and made way for so much. And I think even as a South Asian living in America – so many South Asians were able to call America home once Lyndon B. Johnson signed the civil rights into into law. So I think that we all have something to learn and we all have something to be grateful for. And I think wherever your story starts, you can think back to maybe the state you're from or the place you're from where you have so much to learn from the black excellence, the black history, the black investment because it's really a beautiful time to lean in and learn. Yeah. Something you said reminded me of um, John Perkins, who is the founder of CCDA. Mm. And he has a really beautiful, powerful history and story. And highly recommend you looking up his experience and reading about him through the civil rights movement and what he was able to do and accomplish and how he started CCDA, um, you know, with education and buying houses and making affordable opportunities for people to purchase homes who are not white. And he's just done such radical work over his life and now he's in his late 80s. But one of the things I learned from him 
early on when I began my sort of justice journey, not just my personal relationships, but more on the advocacy side, is that he talked about when you go to scripture, you always start with the people's pain. Mm. But when you're looking at a community, you always start with what's good. And I think so often in our desire to do good, we begin looking at a community that, that we may view as disadvantaged, which is really just has less resources. And we begin to point out all the things that are wrong. And I think one of the things that I've really learned from the black community and leaders in justice movements is that you begin with what's good and you begin with the joy and you begin with the connectedness and you begin with all the things that are positive and let that frame how you view a community. And that's been really powerful in my life. And um, recently I was in a wedding and um, with my dear friends, Ito and Leon and Cody and I got to do a part of their service and I was one of her bridesmaids. And what they decided to do is purchase this beautiful piece of land in North Carolina, which Leon had traced back to his grandmother who was born into slavery. And they found the exact place where she was born and they purchased that land and hosted the wedding on the land. And during the service and ceremony, I know. And during the ceremony, they called up um, three generations of family to come and plant a tree on that land. And they dropped the tree into a hole and had each of the family members pour over. They shoveled some of the dirt and poured it into the hole to just represent this new legacy and this new life that they're building and to acknowledge the history. And so I think when we look back, it's important to view people through what's good and what's positive and what's life-giving and how can we be people of redemption and how can we journey alongside others and how can we be advocates and people who are, you know, accomplices to the the great work of restoration in people's lives. And I think that that's another thing I've learned is to view things with joy, to view things with redemption, to come alongside, to bear witness to opportunities for um, restoration. I think that that is another thing that I've really learned from my black, black brothers and sisters. I just want to repeat what you said because I'm going to tattoo it on my forehead. <laughs> May we be accomplices to the yes. great restoration in other people's lives. Yeah. Woo, girl. Okay. Yeah. Coming in hot. I first <laughs> want to say that the that theological insight of viewing a community not by their need yeah. or lack or barriers, but by their goodness, I personally have never heard that. So that was really profound and helpful for me. When I think of this, I've approached it in my own way, but having that be a benchmark, I think is healthy for all of us and it humanizes everyone and it forces us to reorder, not defining ourselves by our advantages and others by their disadvantages. Come on. Yes. Which is necessary. Yeah. And it gets you right out of the power struggle and pride, frankly, which is so rampant in our culture and so specific to this conversation about race because it's all about who is inferior and who's superior. And you can get all into Christian nationalism, white supremacy. I mean, we could go down this road and we've done lots of episodes on it, but it's so important that we take that humble approach because nobody's better than anybody else. (laughs) Nobody's worse than anybody else. And it's just not the way that God views us. I don't think there should be some big gap of comparison where we're like, this person's better than me or not better than me, or this person... need to be above so they can Mm -hmm. be beneath so I can feel good or significant. It's like, we need to stop that. It has no place in our faith. And honestly, it has no place in our humanity. Like it just, 
even if you throw out the faith piece, just as a human being to not recognize the value and dignity that's in another person, I think that's actually what it means to be human. Yeah. Yeah. And to understand your role as an image bearer. Mm-hmm. Because yes. without that, it, it's far too easy to demote and demean and separate and demonize anyone else who doesn't think or act or look like you. And there's mm-hmm. no space for that. There's no space for that, why though, fam? Agreed. Zero space for that. Okay, I do want to say a little more about this beautiful wedding you went to. Yes. You guys, when she posted pictures, I was like, excuse me, is this going to be in Vogue weddings? It was probably it one was. of the most. Oh, was it really? Oh, that <laughs> yeah, was No, it really was. Oh, my I'm gosh. not joking. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was it was majestic. I it was, was like, if I were ever going to get married again, let it be <laughs> as inspired as that. It was it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. seen. So y'all look for Edo and Vogue weddings. Yes. There you go. <laughs> They're beautiful humans, man. Beautiful. Oh, I love it. What would you say, Ashley, um, looking forward as we as we think about black history, how should that have a bearing on our future? Mm-hmm. That's such a big question. I think recognizing that, you know, one of the two, two things, um, one is that, you know, the black community is not a monolith. And I think we're getting better at this because people are being given more language to talk about things like race and to talk mm-hmm. about how we relate to one another, to talk about the different intersections that we all have, because we have, you know, our ethnicity, we have our gender, we have our faith, we have our values, our political beliefs, like we have all these different things. No person is a monolith. No right. one incident speaks for an entire people group, no matter the race. Um, and I think it's really important for us to learn that and internalize it so that we can begin to see people as individuals and the community obviously matters but we also have to narrow in and realize like it is not a monolith that's one of the big things that I think is important for us to continue to move forward with and the other one is that I, what I've really learned about race and have been very inspired to do about race over the last 10 years especially is that it's not a black and white issue. And I think coming from where I'm raised, I did have um, a few people outside of you know black and Caucasian ethnicities, but not very many. And so I think it's easy to make the issue of race a black and white issue. And I think the last couple of years have really pressed upon us to recognize that somehow we've got to collectively have a better idea about what race is and how to talk about race and how to connect the dots and how to view this topic and discussion through a way that cultivates community and cultivates connectedness and cultivates, you know, um, yeah, this, this, the way we view each other being something that's more positive than it has been. Um, nobody's a monolith. It's not a black and white issue. I think those are the two big things we need to take into the future with us. And to your point, common language is how we get there. Yeah. Being able to identify. And I know, y'all, there's so much argument about CRT in schools. And if you're listening from outside the country, whoo, you can just, I'm sure you've seen it on your news too, because Absolutely. we like to take up everyone's news. We really do. <laughs> Jesus. But but I would just like to harken back to what Ashley just said. Of the goal is to cultivate kindness, and the goal is to cultivate connection. So when we think about uh, learning about race and culture and ethnicity, we have to have that be the goal, whether it's in a faith-based or values-based. That is the goal, mm-hmm. is cultivating kindness and connection. Because that's, yep. again, that goes back to the human experience yep, that's um, right. outside of faith, outside of region, outside of anything that has to be 
the human goal. Mm -hmm. And so as you, you know, especially I just want to say if you're a parent and you're listening, if you're a mother, if you're listening, I would hope that you don't phone this out or or just maybe read one book about Michael Jordan during Black History Month. Like we've got to do more. (laughs) This is the time to have conversations. This is the time to really have your own education because this is a journey for all of us and understanding how we view race, how we do specifically view black history, but history of minorities and understanding, as you said, that they're not a monolith. Everyone has a unique experience. Um, I also want to add someone who's helped me in this area a lot uh, is Dr. Michelle Reyes. She specifically speaks on this issue of helping people understand understand culture and how each person, whether you're South Asian or East Asian or Norwegian or whatever, like so often what we call race, we actually mean culture. And I love what you said is like, oh, what's the culture? Like the culture of um, somebody who is black in North Carolina is probably going to be different than someone who's black in Seattle. You know, it's going to be this different experience. So having space to understand nuance, which is so hard so hard. We get it. We want things to make sense in our mind. But this is such an opportunity to grow as an individual. And like you said, to cultivate kindness and connection. Yeah, I love Michelle too. She is such an amazing human being and a really good teacher, like just a freaking great teacher. Yeah, I think about this too, the the journey of advocacy and language and talking about this and working on behalf, being an accomplice, like all this has changed so much for me over the last 20 years too, you know, going from being like a single person with a lot of time to being married, from working as an outreach pastor to working at, you know, a different job, running a nonprofit, you know, working in a corporate setting, like all of this, having three little kids now, like what does it look like? Um, and I think it'd be good to talk about that because, you know, I think that if you hold yourself to some kind of impossible standard about what it means to learn understanding, to build relationships, to figure out how to live out justice in your daily life, you can easily get overwhelmed and sit back and do nothing um, because it is it is overwhelming. But I think I've had to really learn like, oh, part of this journey is accepting where I am and what I can mm. do and what I can offer. And that has been really good for me to settle into. And I, I think that in this season of having little kids, my personal relationships matter the most and what I can really do in this, in the situations and the context I'm in. If I am witnessing something in a grocery store, am I brave enough to speak up about it? Am I brave enough to intervene? If I am at my kid's school or I notice something or I hear something, or there's an interaction with another child that requires a teaching moment and notifying teachers, am I brave enough to do that, to have those conversations, to talk to another family? Am I deepening the relationships that I have with people who don't look like me or don't think like me or come from another culture? Am I working hard at, you know, living a life of love? And what does that mean in my faith community? And what does that mean at my job? And what does that mean in the places and spaces that I'm in every day? And that really breaks it down to something that feels manageable. And I think that I used to assume that if you were, you know, all about, if you were in the movement, that it had to look a a certain way. And again, Mm. it's also black leaders in the community and in the movement who have taught me you know i think about my friend crystal marie and my friend kamala and the way that they are so passionate about racial justice but at the same time know what it means 
on a personal daily level. And I think that that's really taught me to relax, that I don't have to do the same things that I was able to do 10 years ago. (laughs) Now, because I literally can't, and I'm in a different place, and I'm in a different part of the city, and I'm in another job. And that has really freed me up to do what I can where I am. And I don't want anyone listening to underestimate the power of those small acts of love. And I don't want anyone listening to underestimate the power of your voice in a small Mm. setting, because that small thing can change the trajectory of someone's day or their life. It can disrupt someone's racist thinking. It can disrupt someone's parenting in a way that is helpful and good for them and for the child. So just don't underestimate the small things. And I'm thankful that Black leaders have helped me settle into being a mom with three kids and not feel like I have to be in the streets every day for it to be making a difference. I'm thankful for their encouragement. Yeah. Uh, Two things come to mind. Number one, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Andy Stanley says that often. And I want to change it. Do for the person in front of you what you wish you could do for everyone. To your point, if it's in the grocery store, if it's, um, you know, something you're doing maybe with your faith community to advocate for justice locally or aid or restore the things that are actually in front of you, because I, I like most people, get overwhelmed when I think of the enormity of the problem, especially in yeah. the United States specifically, yeah. um, with the lack of racial justice. But in my little city, in my little neighborhood even, what can I do? What connections can be made? How can we move forward? And I think we – and I like what you said, though, especially in every season, because it sure doesn't look like the season before and the before that. Right. So listener, when you hear us share our own journeys, I would encourage you to think and reflect on your own journey. And in this season, ask yourself, how can I be an accomplice for someone else's restoration? And you know what? It might be small. It might be big. It might be a a one-time thing. It might be an ongoing thing. Mm -hmm. It might be a new relationship to develop or, or lean into one that's already there that maybe you haven't noticed before. I think it's so beautiful and healthy to take stock of where we're at and what is it, what does advocacy look like right now? And I I just really love that you said, don't underestimate the small things. Like it could be in the grocery store advocating for somebody and we have no idea what that could mean. We have no idea how powerful that could be. Um, One of the ways uh, uh, advocacy is really playing out in my home right now is just questions with my son and teach, you know, just instructing language to use, what to avoid, how not to reduce because he's 11 and stereotypes are everything when you're 11 and trying to make sense of your world when you're 11. And is it okay if some a, a person of color does this to this person or is are people allowed to say this or do this or what would happen if somebody did this? Like all of these questions, trying to understand how the world works. And yes. so for me, it's forcing me to have this internal dialogue, dialogue with my husband, dialogue with my faith community as I instruct my son because uh, Rob Bell says this. He says, I want to parent in such a way that my kids have to unlearn the least. <laughs> yeah, I love that I love so that. much. You know, it just yeah, is, uh, that's it beautiful. takes a minute. So we want to be able to identify and recognize in ourselves where we've got it wrong, be willing to lament and work to do better mm-hmm. and make space for our children to do better as well. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree. We're responsible for the mm-hmm. way that they're formed. And I think that that's a massive responsibility that can feel so overwhelming, but it's also 
what's so beautiful about it is we're shaping the future together. Like that's what we're actually doing. Like that's they don't right. have to inherit the the things that some of us did and they don't have to hear the same language that some of us heard growing up and they don't have to inherit opinions about other people groups. We get to determine the future. Like that's incredible that we get to do that. And that inspires me. Also, we, we would be remiss to not talk about gospel music on this Ooh. podcast. I, I mean, you, you know, started hinting you know, at it. But you know listen to I me. Feel. <laughs> is it the language of heaven or not? Because I think the answer <laughs> is yes. And I, I think that God clearly loves gospel the most. There oh, is it's no obvious. way around this. I don't even understand how you can make a case for anything other than gospel music being the language of heaven. Can I tell you, in the darkest days, in the darkest days yep. that I've had, the one thing that has been <laughs> my saving grace is gospel. I can't handle anything yes. else. I can handle gospel and that's it. I go on walks, I put in earphones, and I listen to gospel. It's gotten me through the hardest moments. I sit and weep to gospel music. I mean, yep. I it is holy. It is holy. It is. It is holy. You know what it's it holy. is? Is um, I think about repetition is formation. And there's something so life-giving about a gospel song because it has so much repetition. Yep. It's like, I'll find that stuff coming up in my spirit when I mm -hmm. need it to, because I've yeah. just, you like, it's easy to remember. It's you just sing the same thing over and over and over again. And it feels like grief and joy coexist together in a gospel song. Like there's a place for pain in gospel music yeah. that I cannot find in another genre yep. that especially 100. Christian genre. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, I bet you can find it in R&B and some country music. Like that's not all the way true. Well, but certainly we're, we're split Christian on the country space, music, but we're split I, on the country music. We but are, on, but Chris on. Stapleton, <laughs> I don't know how you can make a case against Chris Stapleton. I mean, I'm sorry, but he, the, we'll the, save that for the next brother week, is full of soul. <laughs> And just spirit and heart and those songs are real. Yeah, we could talk about this. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's legit. But anyways, that's the good thing about gospel music, too, is yeah. there's a place for grief um, and hope. And it feels so good to declare that even in our pain, God is still good. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful mm -hmm. for that, for real. Mm. Also, the black community is hilarious. Listen. It might be the funniest the community on the yeah. planet. You know, my friend Selena is always sending me the funniest things, the way she says stuff, the way she laughs, the memes she sends me, the dance video she sends me. I mean, the the black community knows how to create yes, and knows how 100. to laugh and knows how to just bring us the best. And for that, I'm very grateful. <laughs> uh, uh, just to go back to your point as well of out of grief, we often create. Yes. Out of our pain, we For often sure. create. And it's usually some beautiful art. So yes. whether it's comedy or music or dance or, I mean, you know, drama, whatever yeah. the case may be, there's some beautiful art and all sizes. Also, I just, I just want, this is, uh, this is not, this just has to be said. I wouldn't put her in the gospel section. So I, ha but I have to say. Uh, most of you, I'm sure, have heard me say this on Why, though, at some point or another. But I am a die-hard Miss Lauren Hill fan. Yes, even absolutely. Even. That's when just I don't, the truth. That's period. She, come on now, come period. on now, say it. Period. Woo. She ain't never been I, on time for a concert. Not no, once. You know what? But I she's think I legit. waited an hour and fifty minutes. Oh, 100%. Took the stage at we were there for two hours. She took the stage at eleven fifty. Contact time. Yes. You know what? And it was a weeknight. <laughs> yeah. Same. 
Same. It was a weeknight. Yep. You know, there was about 3,000 of us. We were we were patient. We were like, it's yes. going to be worth it. And you know what? It was worth it. And it she brought out the it. steel drums. Yes. Do I need to say it again? There were steel drums yep. involved. It was always. A, it, was, it was, I had the night of my life. But I might have had to go get some coffee to be able to drive home yeah. an hour back to my house. <laughs> <laughs> it is so real. Oh, I agree with so you. Good. Nobody like so Lauren. Good. Nobody like Nobody. Lauren. <laughs> Nobody. Truthfully. I. Mm. Yeah, I have to say, Lauren Hill's on repeat so much in this house. My kids know the miseducation of Lauren Hill. I think they know yes, album cover. That's my favorite album. Oh, oh, it's so good. it just takes me back. I love it so much. You're oh, right. So good. It is gospel. And don't mm. forget about that song, Just Like the Water. Are you kidding me? That's a full gospel now, song. Now, is that on the Unplugged? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yes, oh, I have yes. to tell you, remember when DVDs were a thing? Ashley, do you know those? Of have course. You know those I had a okay. serious stash. You had a serious stash? <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I had, I had a serious stash of rom-com DVDs, but that's about it. <laughs> you know Legally I hate rom-coms. One, two, and three. Of course. Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and the DVD case was pink. That's not what we're here to talk oh, about. Wow. What we're here to talk about is my ex, who I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with mm-hmm. y'all. He did me wrong, but you know he, he got me for my birthday one year? Tell us. The the DVD video film of the MTV Unplugged session. Bam. And I would just play that and watch her. Oh, my yeah, gosh. It was so good. I was like, you know what? Be gone, but I'm going to keep this DVD. Yeah. So. <laughs> Thank you for your contribution to my collection. <laughs> <laughs> now it's sitting next to Legally Blonde, 1, 2, and 3, The Holiday, and 42. Oh, the story it of Jackie Robinson. So hard. I played love by it. the late Chadwick Boseman. Anyway, I'm y'all, so that's impressed. what we got for you today. Yeah. It's a good day. We love you. We celebrate you. our black brothers and sisters. We are thankful for your rich and long contributions that have sometimes gone overlooked. We thank you for the gift that you are to us personally and that you are to our world. We thank you, thank you, and celebrate you. Mm, yes, and amen. Bye bye. Bye. Hey listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit tiffanybloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.